The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is digital marketing expert Mitch Joel. Go to twistimage.com forward slash blog to find out more. Mitch is the author of the book, Six Pixels of Separation. Mitch, tell us how you came to write the book. It's an actual strange day to be asking me that question because I'm actually in the uh, final rounds of editing my next book, okay. <laughs> which, which will be coming out uh, in May 2013 called Control-Alt-Delete. But let's take a step back. You know, When I wrote Six Pixels of Separation, it was 2008. So I guess I did the book deal in 2007. The book came out in 2009. And for me, there was something happening, and it was primarily driven by – interactions that I was having on the road and just in life. I have a, a column that I get published in the newspapers over here in Canada every couple of weeks, and I had some some visible articles in magazines, and I was at a car wash one day, and a person came over to me and said, excuse me, are you, are you Mitch Joel? I said, I am, and they said, uh, you know, I love reading your article in the newspaper every two weeks. At that point, I had been blogging since 2003 basically every day, same amount of length in terms of content, six to a hundred to a thousand words every single day, and I still maintain that clip now. And I thought, you know, we all love to think that social media is this sort of cure-all for everything, and the truth of the matter is there's a mass populace out there that probably doesn't read blogs all that frequently. They probably don't have RSS readers. They probably aren't really following interesting people on Twitter and seeing what they're retweeting and clicking on links or looking what people are sharing in places like Facebook or on YouTube. And it became more apparent to me that part of my thinking and how it rolls out typically in blogs or columns is very ad hoc. Uh, I have a great conversation with you, Joey, and it sparks an idea for a blog post, and I post it. It has nothing to do in relation to what I posted yesterday or, or what will come tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that there was a cohesion, though, throughout this, this, this you know, these these many, many blog posts of, uh, you know, over 3,000 blog posts of, of thinking and also new thought that, that, that comes out of just simply blogging. And I, what I wanted to do is actually look at the world of media and, and not write it as a social media guy or a marketing guy, but write it as an entrepreneur. Uh, back in 2002, when I joined my agency, Twist Image, and my other business partners here, we had no employees and we were working out of a closet. Uh, I wasn't sure what we should do to get our name out there. And because I had a background in publishing and I had a passion for the internet and spent a lot of time in that world, I thought, well, this new thing, blogging, sounds pretty good. Let's see if it works. And sure enough, it worked. I mean, we had something valuable to say. People connected to the blog and the podcast and things like that. And it actually created a platform for the agency. And And so the real spirit is that collision. It was this collision of a world where, one, I could show other businesses what the new digital channels had done to change the very fabric and fiber of our business at Twist Image. And the other one was to reach the people who are quickly jetting through the, uh, the airport terminal and they pop into the bookstore and they just want a, you know, a good quick read in their language on what has happened in this massive change. So what is the overall message of the book, Mitch? Why did you title it that? 
it obviously was a playoff of the uh, six degrees of separation or a playoff of Kevin Bacon, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. And the idea was, for me at least, was the, this moment in time where it's not about I know someone who knows someone who knows Joey. I mean, Joey, mm-hmm. you wanted to reach out to me and talk to me about this, and all you did was reach out to me. You connected to me, whether it was on Twitter or my blog or by email or whatever it was. We all live in a world where we're intrinsically connected. That changes the form and function of how business can operate. You talk a lot in the book about connection. Why is it so important for us to be connected to other people and other businesses? Well, there's a macro answer to that. And the macro answer to that is if we didn't have this need as human beings, none of us would live in cities. We would all live in random parts of the world or wherever we were procreated, I guess, and and how it is. We have a, a yearning as human beings to be together. We have consciousness uh, and something probably more bigger and more profound that, that begs for us to come together, like-mindedness in that way. And when you sort of scale that up to what the internet has brought, and if you could look at things, you know, more more modern like the Arab Spring, which obviously happened years after the book was created, you start understanding at a bigger level that we actually really not only enjoy being connected, but we enjoy sharing very much. This idea of, of social media as a business cause is all about the conversation. You know, how do you give, how does a brand become a part of the conversation? I don't believe that to be true. I think what makes anything social is its ability to be shareable and findable. And so for me, those are core values that we share as human beings. And where we're at right now is just very, very early days of seeing how that comes together at a more global pace when we're all this interconnected through the digital channels. How do we connect with the right people, people who may be interested to do business with us? Well, you know, I'm looking at your, your Skype photo, and it's you and a, a lovely lady, and I would ask you, how do, how do you know that you're with the right person? It's trial and error. You, you meet a lot of people. You explore different options. You change your patterns and go into different places. You ask people if they know anybody, and then when you finally meet that person who you think you want to spend time with, you hopefully take the time, energy, and effort to get to know them and understand them, be valuable to them, add be an additive in their lives. Now, the, the, the struggle and the reason why I think the book – became as successful as it as it has been is that businesses have that sort of one night stand mentality you know the old wham bam thank you ma'am uh, they're the ones who run into the bar and just say you know will you sleep with me will you sleep with me will you marry me versus mm-hmm. taking the time to figure out if you like that person and then meeting their family and seeing if there's that sort of relation that, that that makes sense to you and i think the digital channels are very very similar the people who get value and find the most connections are the ones who take the time i've been lambasted for many eons because of my lack of following everyone who follows me in a platform like twitter and i always say i'm definitely a twitter snob i, I i'm going to follow people who are making an effort to connect to me and i make that effort to people who i want to connect to and i don't see why the the social contract or the social exchange should be any different. You mentioned in the book lots of business owners are reluctant to use social media and the digital channels. They see it as a bit of a joke or a fad. But for other people, including myself, it's very obvious and very clear the power in all of this. So why do you think people are taking so long to see the potential right in front of them here? I think technology moves fast and human beings move extremely slow. You know, just look at raw evolution and, and how we have evolved as a species. And it's, it's fairly deep and, and complex when you look at it that way. We take a long, long time to evolve and technology actually moves at a significant and much faster exponential clip. And so what happens is you, you, you live in a world where people are much comfortable doing what they've always known 
people will say, we like change. I'm, I'm an agent of change. And the majority of people don't like change. And then people will say, oh, that's not true. It's very true. If I will, if, you know, if every morning you woke up and I moved where your coffee maker was, trust me, by the third day, you'd want to kill me. So that means you don't like change. <laughs> you know, you don't like uncertainty. You like knowing where your stuff is. And, and we're all very, very similar in that regard. So when, when you look at that landscape, you've had a massive disruption through the digitization of industry. It's not just media. It's not just advertising or marketing. It's industry. Uh, you can look at it every, everything from your salesforce.com to your Cisco's of the world to see that digitization has fundamentally changed how we engage and how we connect at the business level. Social media, which is still sort of the new darling, and it's something that, you know, we talk about with definitely our clients as a marketing agency, you know, social media is over a decade old. Mm-hmm. You really start looking back to the Clue Train Manifesto in early days of BBSing and blogging and sharing. It's We're well over 10 years old at this point, well beyond that. Um, so you sort of look and go, wow, like that's not new. That's ten. That's a long time in business life. Well, you know, human beings are slow to change and adapt. They're comfortable with their position. They want to make sure they can ensure their profitability. And in general, human beings are looking for sure things or guarantees in a world where, let's face it, there are no guarantees. We actually have high levels of stress and anxiety because we feel like we can control things that we simply can't. You say in the book that in this new economy, often we will be investing our time rather than our money. So what is the thinking behind this? Why do we need to invest time rather than money when it comes to going digital? Yeah, I think it's a, there's a profound shift happening, and it's not very clear to me what it all means. And I think that I leveraged the book as a platform to do some critical thinking about what a world would look like with an economy that wasn't just monetary-based. Mm-hmm. Could there be a value-based economy? Is there an economy driven by trust? Is there an economy driven by the value of the content that a person like you creates in the world? I think the answer is yes, but because I don't have a sort of comparative platform to compare it to other than the monetary system, it all looks wonky and weird at this moment in time. Uh, am, I, am I hopeful that the world could be somewhat utopian like Star Trek where people just do the work that they want to do and there's sort of like an egalitarian way in which everybody lives and makes money, whether you're a farmer or the captain of a spaceship? It sounds interesting, but I don't even jokingly think that I have the capacity to see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I know that I don't get paid to blog. I know that tangentially my blog has brought extreme wealth, Uh, and I I don't mean that in just the financial sense. I mean in other senses as well that all have roads to financial success as well. Mm -hmm. They're not directly linear, but they're very, very apparent. You also talk about how Google is the judge and the jury when it comes to how people view us or our brand. It's not about what we say anymore. It's about what happens when people search for us and what they see after that. So do you have any tips on how we can have a little bit more control over that and make sure what they find is favorable? Chris Anderson, who wrote uh, The Long Tail and Free, the editor of Wired Magazine, said, um, you don't control your brand. Google does many, many years ago. And I played off of that. And I friend Avinash Kaushik, who's the digital marketing evangelist at Google, would say, you don't control your homepage. Google does. And there was sort of this thinking around this world that was very much in 2008, 2009, dominated by Google. This idea that uh, anybody can do a search on Joey and see immediately what your brand is, positive, negative, and neutral, and what that means. It's interesting to look back on that 2009, and we're talking now, I guess, what's that, four years almost, mm-hmm. and what you actually wind up seeing is um, that it's funny to think about Twitter and to think about Facebook and to think about 
Pinterest a little bit and to see that that story isn't so much the 800-pound gorilla. I, I still think Google is definitely the 800-pound gorilla in search, but that it's no longer just what Google says, but it's what LinkedIn says. It's what Twitter says. It's what Facebook says. And that's not a bot or an algorithm. That's people like you and me. Hey, do you know a great marketing speaker uh, based in North America? Hey, check out Mitch Joel. That's not an algorithm. That's a human being making a recommendation or putting a thought into the world that's either a plus or a minus against my brand, six pixels of separation as a brand, twist image as a brand, whatever it might be. And so when it comes to thinking about how does one game that system, how does one become more relevant in that system, I don't think it's a simple question to answer anymore because what's happened is it's not about making sure that you're, you know, you've keyword stuffed your homepage so that you come up first. It's now about real authenticity. It's about actually having true intention when you communicate and how you connect to people. It's about actually being a good citizen of the world or a good social media citizen of the world. That's the way you actually game the system by being authentic and real and adding value. It's not much of a game. It's actually life. What role does community play in online business? I think community plays a role in business, and I, I don't think it's different when you go from from protein form to pixels. I think that at, at its core, I've always believed that you can't have a successful business unless there's a successful unless there's a vibrant community. Think about the local tailor in your town. He will not be in business if the community in and of itself isn't healthy, because then people don't need Carmen's fix because they got nowhere to go and they don't have jobs and things like that. And so I've always given a good chunk of my time to commute through community service because I've always believed in that sort of tripod of success, which is community, business, and obviously family and personal life too. And you need to have a healthy balance of the three. And I think online mimics that protein form that we have, Mm -hmm. that you have to be in a place where you are a part of something if you truly want to benefit from it. Being the lone gunman with a Facebook page or the lone gunman with a blog isn't going to add value. It's when you're adding value within the community. And you know, my friend Chris Brogan, who co-authored Trust Agencies and is a very well-known guy, always says, and although I may not agree with his ratio, I get what he's getting at, which is you you produce 10 times the amount of content in other spaces for every one time you do something in your space. And that creates community. That creates a sense of you being active in places that aren't just the narcissistic meanderings of your own ego. What matters more, trust or attention? Uh, I think it depends what you're trying to do. I think it depends what type of brand you are and how you want to connect, what level of, of impact you're trying to make and how you want to make things happen. I think for some brands, it's a purely attention. It's, it's a very basic product that just requires you to know about it, buy it. I think there are other brands because of com- competitors and other sort of forces in the marketplace that need to think more about making sure that they have trust. I think ultimately trust at a, at a very, very macro level is table stakes. If you're not a brand that can be trusted, whether you're selling something that's available in a dollar store or a multi-year, multi-million dollar, multi-cycle purchase, you need to have a core of trust. People have to know at, at, at a very baseline level that the product is what it is and does what it says it does. You mentioned in the book that digital marketing is about being slow. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's one of those chapters that sort of uh, thankfully still has legs. And I guess it, it's interesting that I said it in a time when people didn't, weren't thinking like that. Mm-hmm. When digital became one of the places you could actually market to effectively, and you got to remember back in those days, it really was new and quite disruptive. There was this attitude, and it's an attitude that's quite pervasive today still, that says, you know, just put it on the web. Because the web is fast, cheap, and easy. It's almost free. Mm -hmm. 
I actually believe the way you get any merit and value out of the digital channel is by being slow. And that's what we were talking about earlier with the one night stand versus the building relationships. I think the true value of this digital connectedness is in the relationships you build. And for me, it wasn't about whether or not you can post something fast or free or easy, but about what that is that you're posting and how you make it resonate and connect and have context and have perpetuity. I mean, we have a, a half life of, of internet content now that is staggering. I mean, what, what, what was the last interesting tweet you read? You probably can't even think about it because there's just been a stream of them after and a stream of them before. Mm -hmm. And so when you live in a world that's that real-time publishing of everyone putting content out there, the real value is in doing things what I would define as slowly because you're nurturing. My final question is, very briefly, would you share with us what the five C's of online entrepreneurship are? Oh, I would... Never be able to remember them myself, but there's a spirit to it. There was a spirit of thinking about entrepreneurship in a very, very different way, in a way that wasn't about simply having a product in market and hoping that there's a market for it, but actually developing and nurturing a power of relationships through the digital channels as a platform by which you could tell a better story. The example I'll give you is I had a friend at the time who had a retail operation. They were looking to open it where I live in Montreal. And, you know, he told me about the store and what it was and where he was putting it. And, you know, you think about real estate and how you have to really hope people walk by and see the store he advertises well locally and it goes off. And in my world, I was thinking, why would we just put this online and become a merchant of the world? And it's just that type of different thinking. And hopefully people will buy the book and see the different, you know, the five seasons, how they come together. But mm-hmm. it was a lot of thinking about content, the community and context and how that, that sort of world looks very different from the average shopkeeper. On that note, Mitch, where can people go to buy the book? And do you have a quick teaser for your next book? What's coming? Sure. Well, I appreciate the platform and opportunity to speak with you. The book is available everywhere, so you can get it in all your digital formats and physical formats. Hopefully, it's available in store. If not online, it's probably the best place. But it's uh, through Hachette and Grand Central, which is one of the biggest publishers in the world. Uh, the next book is called Control All Elite, and the subtitle of the book is Reboot Your Business, Reboot Your Life, Your Future Depends on It. And it's really driven, and uh, I really thought about it as a sort of two-part book. The first part is about how to reboot your business and covers these five movements that have really changed business already, but they're things that we as business owners aren't really acting on and doing things about. Mm-hmm. And the second part is what do you do to be employable? What do you do to be part of that change in the next five years as this evolution occurs? And so – uh, the, the, the manuscript is done and I'm just literally finishing off uh, first round edits with my editor and then it will go off to be properly edited and then we'll have some back and forth and hopefully people will start seeing it in April or May of next year. Fantastic. Mitch, do you have a blog or a website where people can stay tuned with your updates? Well, sure. Thankfully, there's no other Mitch ball, so you can just Google that. But if you go to www.twistimage.com forward slash blog, you'll see six pixels of separation, which is the blog and the podcast. And we'll give you links if you want to follow my randomness on Twitter. Awesome. That's the end of today's show, folks. Many thanks for tuning in. Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for your time, Joey. I appreciate it. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.